Too many years ago to count, I was fishing with a journalist buddy of mine. We were on a lake just outside Dallas in his tiny boat. Out of nowhere, a thunderstorm rolled in. Waves began to thrash, and we didn't think we'd make it out alive. That fishing trip shook me up, and it reminds me a bit of John Newton, 275 years ago this month. He was aboard his slave ship off the coast of Ireland when a violent storm hit. He didn't think he would make it either. Already struggling with his sin, he cried out to God for mercy, and he found mercy. His ship stayed afloat, though half sunk, making land four days later. His captain said they were lucky. Newton was quick to say there is a God who answers prayers. And that was the beginning of Newton's grace story. A few years later, he said, I am saved by the mighty power of an unchangeable Savior. Welcome to Haven Today here on Friday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus as we wrap up a two-week-long series called How Sweet the Sound. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about the truly amazing story of John Newton's conversion to Jesus Christ. And then how he came to be a minister of the gospel for Christ and wrote the most sung hymn in the English language, Amazing Grace. And the hymn feels almost semi-autobiographical, detailing the story of any human being who has put their trust in Christ and found the amazing and sweet-sounding words of grace. Well, today I want to share another story of grace that hits very close to our home here at Haven Today. Not only are we thinking about Amazing Grace being written 250 years ago this year, or the beginning of Newton's conversion 275 years ago this month, but this week, Haven went through a big anniversary. Did you know that in 1934, our first radio broadcast was aired in Los Angeles, California? From Hollywood, of all places. And if you're trying to do the math in your head, let me help you. 89 years ago. When we first went on the air, we were called the Haven of Rest. It was founded by Paul Myers, who on the air went by the name of First Mate Bob. And I wonder if some of you remember what he called the studio back then. Well, if you guess the good ship Grace, you're right. I want to share with you Paul Myers' amazing Grace story of how he met Jesus, as told by himself. Then after the program, I'd like to encourage you to help support this 89-year-old ministry that's been all about Jesus for all these years, and for your gift, as generous as you can possibly make it, I'd like to send you the brand new hardback book called Amazing Grace, The Life of John Newton, and the surprising story behind his song. This biography reads like a novel, and it'll have you singing with joy how Christ's grace transformed the life of John Newton. And I know you'll be inspired to learn how Newton eventually wrote the hymn Amazing Grace 250 years ago this year. I'd like to invite you to go visit our website. You can download a sample chapter from the book. And I know you'll read that quickly and want to read the rest of the book. So go ahead and make your gift to the ministry and we'll get the book out to you right away. We have plenty in our warehouse. And our website is haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. 
And if you want to share grace with others, why don't you get more than one copy of the book, one for yourself and others to share. Now, let's fire up the organ and get the bells ready to ring. Originally recorded on vinyl many years ago, I want you to be blessed by the testimony of First Mate Bob, the founder of Haven of Rest. and the crew of the good ship Grace, the voices from the harbor called Haven of Rest. I'm told that everybody likes a story. Every life is a story, and mine is no exception. May I share it with you? The story of my conversion to Christ in 1934. It was a night in midwinter in the city of San Diego, California, down along the waterfront where there was little or no activity. Occasionally, a taxicab would flash into view only to disappear around the corner of a deserted street. Against a foggy sky, the riding lights of varied types of craft moved in monotonous rhythm with the rise and fall of the restless water. As far as I could see, I was alone. Not another human being in sight, as on and on I trudged. Long hours before, I had begun this aimless wandering. And now, weary in body and mind and sick of soul, I still was as bewildered and lost as ever. Memories like haunting ghosts of all the dead yesterdays followed my every footstep. The faces of my wife and four children kept appearing again and again upon the screen of my consciousness. How were they tonight? I'd left them alone and helpless. A nearby piling offered a seat that I might rest my aching feet. The cardboard which I'd placed in my shoes to protect my feet where the soles were worn through, had long since ceased to serve its purpose. Only the lapping of the water against the wharf broke the stillness of the night. The sudden clanging of a ship's bell startled me. Two, four, six, eight. Eight bells. That must be four o'clock in the morning. I'd walked all night in a sort of alcoholic stupor for I'd been drinking heavily trying to forget. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry God in prayer Oh, what peace we often find 
Vividly now, I recalled the many times my sweet Christian wife had pleaded with me to accept as my personal Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, whom she knew and loved so well. Her prayers and those of my children had followed me, I knew, all the years of my life. So far, my proud heart had rebelled against a full and complete surrender. I had gone my own willful way, And to a marked degree, I had been successful in business. I'd become well-known in radio circles and finally had been appointed to an important position on the Pacific Coast as the commercial manager of two radio stations in Southern California. Now all this was a thing of the past. I was face-to-face with the dead-end street of life at eight bells in the morning watch. Eight bells. That was the end of the long night watch. And soon it would be morning. Morning to me meant just another dreary day. All at once it dawned upon me that this morning would be Sunday morning. The people of San Diego would be gathering for Sunday school and church. 
church. How long had it been since I had sat in the church and heard a sermon and joined in worship? So long I couldn't remember. I used to sing in the choir long ago. Perhaps if I could find someone who would pray with me, there would come some peace to my troubled heart and soul. That was it. I needed God. I remembered Mother's oft-told tale of the prodigal son. If ever there was a prodigal son, it was I. I entered the open door of a large church whose bell had heralded the morning worship up and down the streets of the city. Eagerly I sat and listened to the organ, the choir, and the preliminary rituals. The pews were filled with well-dressed men and women who had come to listen to the Word of God. At last, the minister began his sermon. Then it was all over. The benediction had been pronounced. The choir had sung its last amen, and people were slowly filing out. No one had spoken a word to me. No mention had been made in the morning message of a Savior who could rescue a lost soul. The whole meeting had been so coldly formalistic that I had not detected one friendly smile. Not one hand of greeting had been extended to me. I was stunned. Dazed, I found my way back to the cheap hotel room where I had been sleeping. I was desperate. Suddenly, my eyes were focused upon a book. It was a Gideon Bible placed there by that great band of Christian businessmen known the world over. I had carelessly noticed its presence before, but now it seemed to hold out to me a faint ray of hope. Opening its pages, I placed it upon a chair and knelt before it. I do not recall reading one single word. I simply began to pour out my heart to God, acknowledging my guilt as a sinner and declaring my faith in Jesus Christ to save my soul. No turning back, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Turning back. Then and there I passed from death unto life. I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, God, I prayed, if you'll only straighten out my life, I'll serve you all the rest of my days. God began to work that very moment in my life. Would my wife take me back? I wouldn't blame her if she didn't. I'd go back to Los Angeles and see. Car fare home? I didn't have a penny. I'd have to hitchhike my way. I didn't know how God was going to work it all out. But I had the absolute assurance 
that whatever came into my life would be best for me. And it was well with my soul. So, at last, I came back home to my wife and kiddies. Thelma, I've found Christ, and he's real to me at last. This was my greeting to her, who was the mother of my babies. God alone knows how many sleepless nights she prayed for my soul's salvation. With the wonderful love of Christ in her heart, she took me back. Honey, I said, I'm going into full-time service of the Lord. I don't know where or how. I made him that promise, and I know that he'll open a door somewhere. She prayed with me that God would have his way. Radio was the only thing I knew. I'd spent years before a microphone in commercial broadcasts of all kinds. That was it. A broadcast of gospel hymns and short evangelistic messages. Now, I couldn't preach, but I could tell others of what God had done for me. But due to a chronic laryngitis, I had almost no voice at all. Nevertheless, God kept speaking to my heart. Radio is where I would have you. All right, Lord, I prayed. You tell me where to go and whom to see. Open the door and I'll do my best. Thus began the radio ministry, which today is known to the listening public as the haven of rest. This story is not intended to be merely an autobiographical sketch, but rather a witness and a testimony of what God can do with the human heart and life and soul through the miracle of the new birth. Many there are who deny the inspiration of the scriptures and doubt the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I hope and pray that this account of my own redemption will be a challenge to those who would scoff and ridicule the reality of a vital Christian experience. The world cannot, it dare not, deny the visible, audible, tangible evidence of a changed and a transformed life. How glad I am that I heard and heeded the still small voice of the Spirit of God as he spoke to my soul at the sound of eight bells in the morning watch of a wintry day in 1934. Amazing.
you to join with the crew and me in prayer. Our Father and our God, in Jesus' name, we touch the throne of grace today. I thank you for this opportunity of sharing with my friends what you did for me that wintry day in San Diego. How glad I am that you sought till you found me, answering the prayers of my godly mother, wife, children, family, and friends. Use this story to touch hearts, I pray. Bring the unsaved to yourself. Restore the backslidden to fellowship with you. Bring glory to your name through these words. This is my humble prayer. In the lovely name of Jesus, our Redeemer and our Savior. Amen. In Jesus, I'm safe. But may their melody linger on, for the story they've told is ageless. And though these singers be gone, as we set sail and stand out to sea, may they speak to your heart while we're apart of the stranger of Galilee. and all's well here on a haven today called how sweet the sound and we were even able to sneak in a version of amazing grace by the haven quartet there at the end well you just heard the remarkable testimony of paul myers affectionately known as first mate bob and if you have any history growing up with the haven of rest i know this wasn't just a little nostalgia that you were experiencing you heard how god's amazing grace changed the life of a sinner like you and me. I'm still amazed at how God used Paul's testimony to lead so many people to faith in Jesus Christ since 1934. Even today, we're still hearing from listeners who share how they heard our programs on their grandparents' or their parents' radios, and that God used it to bring them to faith or plant a seed of faith 
And so as we reflect on 89 years of the good ship Grace broadcasting the words of life on the wings of melody, I'd like to send you another resource that's all about Jesus and full of grace. It's the brand new hardback book called Amazing Grace, The Life of John Newton and the Surprising Story Behind His Song. It was written by my friends, Dr. Bruce Hindmarsh, who is a Newton scholar, and Craig Borlase, who is a best-selling Christian storyteller. And together they share the powerful Christian testimony of John Newton and how Amazing Grace was written 250 years ago this year. It reads like a novel, but it will lead you to grace and Jesus Christ. So for your gift to the ministry, we'll send you right away a copy of the just-released hardback, Amazing Grace, The Life of John Newton, and the surprising story behind his song. Please visit our website. Download the free sample chapter from the book while you're there, and then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And remember, if you are interested in grace, and grace has set you free, get a copy for yourself and be inspired. But give a copy to someone else who needs grace in their life. You can also call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? When again, together, we'll be sharing the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you've been around children, you're familiar with their tactics. A child comes in, clearly hiding something under his shirt. You know it, he knows it, but he doesn't know you know it. If he can't see it, he doesn't think you can either. And of course, when he gets caught, he realizes he wasn't as sneaky as he thought. Proverbs 28.13 comes to mind. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. There is joy to be found in making known our sin. If not to a trusted friend, to the Lord himself, he sees our sins already, and in Christ he's already cast them far, far away. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.